Hello and welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be covering the theory section of the very last week in our first season. So this season we've been focused on the question, am I the toxic one? And this week we're focused on what you can do to determine once and for all if you are the toxic one. So for those of you who are new to this podcast, um, I want to say welcome. My name is Louise Williams. I'm the founder and CEO of Empowerment Through Thought. We are a philosophical coaching business dedicated to helping those navigating toxic relationships overcome brain fog and build the life that they deserve. It's important as we talk about this, you know that I'm not a mental health professional. I have been trained as a philosopher, so please take my ideas and advice accordingly. Now, last week, um, in we, we had three episodes go out last week. These were all focused on the question, what does it mean if you are seriously considering if you are the toxic one? Um, and some of the big ideas that, the big conclusions we came to in that process was when you're when you're seriously considering the question that actually requires being open to the idea that you are causing some of the problems in your life toxic people cannot usually tolerate the idea that they are part of the problem now if you're considering this question and you're being open to the fact that you are playing a role in these problems that is at least some evidence that you're not a toxic person so here in season one, we've broken us down into several subtopics. First, we started off discussing the difference between being a toxic person and engaging in toxic behavior. We talked about why we might be asking ourselves this question, are we the toxic ones? Last week, we covered that what it means if you're seriously considering that you're the toxic one. And today, we're gonna, we're gonna settle the issue. We're gonna talk about what you can do to determine once and for all if you are the toxic one. So we're gonna jump into the theory here. In the next episode, we're gonna cover a real world example to kind of help make this theory, the theoretical answer to this question more concrete. And then in the final episode for this season, we're gonna do some action items, some things you can do to really start developing your own answer to this important question. So we need to begin by thinking about what it takes to be a toxic person. Back in, the, in week one, we explored the differences between sometimes engaging in toxic behavior and being a toxic person. In this episode, we're focused on your status as a toxic person. Toxic people engage in so much toxic behavior that they don't even notice that they're doing it. The problematic behaviors these folks engage in often seriously undermines their quality of life and the relationships they have with other people. Now remember, the way I use the term toxic people, it's a blanket term for folks with personality disorders. So our question for the day, am I the toxic one, can be reframed as, do I have a personality disorder? Now the way folks are determined to have any kind of mental health problem today is through the criteria laid out in a book called the DSM. That stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Now this book is the culmination of several generations worth of experts in mental health. When, within its pages, you can find lists of all the currently recognized mental health disorders and the symptoms of these disorders. 
Okay, so there's this DSM. When you're asking yourself, am I the toxic one? Uh, we're, we're considering the idea that you're asking, do I have a personality disorder? The DSM is the book that tells us who has personality disorders. So we need to know who gets to use the DSM. Who can use this thing? Well, of course, anyone can read the DSM. It's generally available to the public. It's not written in a super difficult way to read. Like you can pick it up and just read it today if, if you like. It's a little bit expensive if you're gonna buy it, but you can probably find it at the library and you can certainly find excerpts of it um, in various places on the internet. So while it's true, anyone can read it, the only folks that are qualified to use the criteria laid out in the DSM are mental health professionals. These folks are trained to separate typical human behavior from the kind of behaviors that characterize mental health disorders. As a result, the only folks qualified to officially diagnose mental health disorders, that includes personality disorders, are mental health professionals. So if you want to know whether you have a personality disorder, you'll need to turn to the expertise of a mental health professional. Now remember, I'm not such a person, I'm a philosopher. So I'm not telling you this because I want you to come seek me for these services. In fact, don't, don't come to me if you want to know if you have a personality disorder, I can't help you with that, um, right? I do a different kind of thing than mental health professionals. So I just am laying out for you kind of how, how the system currently works when we come into the question of, the, you know, do I have a personality disorder? Now it's important to know that mental health professionals are trained in a variety of different methodologies. Just a couple of them, some, some are trained in behaviorism, some are trained in psychotherapy. There's lots of different methodologies that mental health professionals use in their work. Now, for those of you who are kind of new to this space, I just wanna get like run down kind of the differences between different mental health professionals and their titles. It can be really confusing. So I just wanna make sure for anybody who's new, uh, you kind of get a bit of a grip on what these different terms mean. Now, a psychologist is usually somebody who holds a PhD. Um, in the United States, that's usually at least a five-year degree. Sometimes it can take as much as 10 years to get that degree. And psychologists are licensed by each state's government. At least that's how it works in the United States. Uh, I can't speak to other countries. So they have a PhD and they're licensed by the state. Psychiatrists are like psychologists, but they are also licensed medical doctors. They can prescribe medication and monitor that medication. So if your mental health is the kind of thing where you need additional uh, medicinal support, you're, you're most likely going to need the support of a psychiatrist. Now, there are also these other categories called counselors, clinicians, or therapists. Um, in order to use these titles, you need to have at least a master's degree. They're usually licensed by the state government. There's a lot of variation in how people use these terms. You will also see occasionally like psychologists calling themselves therapists. Um, so it's not a really clean cut categorization, but in general, in order to use these words, you need to have at least a master's degree. Folks who have PhDs can, can choose a little bit more. There's also one specific category I wanna point out that's a clinical social worker. These are folks who hold master's degree in social work and are trained to evaluate folks' mental health and use specific therapeutic techniques. So 
that's just some terminology psychologists psychiatrists counselors clinical social workers these are all things you might encounter in the world and hopefully this would be a little bit helpful if you're new to this space now i'm not going to talk in more detail about these differences all right this is not my main field i'm a philosopher so i'm just going to say mental health professional and I'm going to let you do the work to figure out which particular kind of mental health professional you might be interested in. So if you want to know, do I have a personality disorder? You need to consult a mental health professional. As tempting as it might be to self-evaluate using the DSM, this is not the most accurate method of evaluation. Even trained mental health professionals do not self-diagnose using the DSM. If you're going to be fairly evaluated, you really need a third-party perspective to take a look at your specific situation. Right? Sometimes when we do something, it can feel like, oh, here's this really big bad thing I do, or you know, something I did, or something I do in general. This is so bad. I'm clearly this kind of person that's bad. But you know, we're really close to it. When it's our own behaviors, it's our own actions, a lot of our feelings, a lot of the limitations of our, our perception kind of come into play. And we cannot always accurately reflect on some of the things that we do, some of the things that we have done. So when you go to a trained third party, like a mental health professional, they can help look at your situation from a lot of different angles and give you more of an objective perspective on, on what's going on with you. Okay, so now we have like this interesting epistemological question. Now, epistemology is a subfield in philosophy where we, we ask questions about like, how do we know stuff? So here we want to ask, how do we know if the mental health provider makes the right diagnosis? Right. So suppose we, we go, we go to a psychologist and the psychologist says, yes, you have a personality disorder. How do we know that they're right? We don't have the training that they have. Right. So we can't like go and check it the same way another psychologist could go and check it. All we've got is there, there's this expert and we need to, to some degree, trust them. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't trust them. And I think that most mental health professionals are trying to do good by their clients. They're not trying to mislead you. But one way you can, you can handle this interesting epistemological concern is by getting another opinion from another doctor. Right, when we talk about having like some kind of chronic illness issue or you're having some, you know, like purely physiological issue, you, you broke your leg, you sprained your ankle, you know, you're, you're experiencing arthritis. Sometimes when that's a complicated case, we'll go to one doctor and they'll say something and, you know, we have some reason to be a little bit, you know, it didn't sit with us quite right, it felt a little weird. So we want to get a second opinion. Same thing in the mental health realm. Right? It's totally acceptable to go get a diagnosis from one person and then go start working with another one and see if the doctors come to a similar consensus. If you visit a few doctors and they all produce the same diagnosis, then you have stronger evidence that this is the right diagnosis, right? So what's the plan? All right. We're going to figure out if you have a personality disorder once and for all. We're just going to like settle the question. We're not going to keep worrying about it. We're not going to spend all this time digging a deep hole in it. We're just going to like figure it out and so we can move on with our lives. 
Okay. You're going to need to be evaluated by at least two mental health professionals. You can be direct with these doctors as you work with them and say that you are suspect you may have a personality disorder and you're looking for answers. I strongly recommend being upfront with the doctors about this, like that this is your intent, that you're trying to figure out this question, because for different methodological reasons, different doctors may or may not be comfortable helping you with that specific task. So I'd recommend when you first start the relationship with them, you let them know that this is, this is the main thing that you're working on. With the opinions of at least two doctors in hand, you can reasonably settle whether your current mental health status meets the DSM criteria for a personality disorder. If it turns out that these doctors confirm that you have a personality disorder, then you have found your answer to the question, am I the toxic one? You can, so if you do, right, it turns out that you do have a personality disorder, well, okay, you also now have a relationship with at least two different mental health professionals who can provide you support on your mental health journey, right? So, okay, maybe that's where you land. You do have a personality disorder, but now you've already started to build that network of support you're gonna need in order to navigate that journey. Now, if it turns out that the doctors agree that you do not have a personality disorder, then you also have the answer to your question. And again, you now have the relationship with two doctors to help provide you support on your journey as just a, a non-toxic person trying to navigate the world. Now, there are still lots of interesting questions uh, we haven't even begun to address. We might wonder about how the criteria in the DSM is selected and whether it should have the authority that it does in the mental health sphere. There are some troubling cases for the DSM, right? Like at one time had a, not had a, <laughs> homosexuality was listed in the DSM as a mental health disorder. So this is not a flawless book. Um, there, are, there are some challenges there and you can see that the DSM has a lot of authority, a lot of power in sorting out officially who, who's suffering from these mental health problems and who isn't. So we might wonder about that. We might also wonder about the ethical implications of someone needing to visit two doctors to get a diagnosis when mental health services are notoriously expensive. This might be especially troubling when we think about folks who are coming from a lower socioeconomic status or folks that who, or folks who are from a group that has been historically oppressed. Um, this, is, this is a very high bar to have to go to two different doctors. But I really do think that that's, that's the way you gotta do it if you want the answer once and for all. But in any event, okay, these are interesting questions, but I'm just going to leave those for another day. Now, I just want to remind you outside of the podcast, we do have a YouTube channel. It's the same name here as the podcast. You can check us out over there. Um, you can see all of the content that we actually have for this week kind of in one big shabam. I have little gifs. It's a, it's a fun time over there. You can see my face a little bit. And as we go through the podcast here, you're going to... Um, get reinforced the two different things. So the podcast feeds into the YouTube, which feeds into the blog post that we also have. So be sure to check all that stuff out. You can find all that information over on my website. That's www.empowermentthroughthought.com. And I am so excited that you joined me today. And I can't wait to talk to you next time about the real world example of Shannon and how she navigates her journey through these important questions. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.